Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our first guest, as you said, is Jillian Quinn, and our topic today is bouncing back after loss. Jillian has suffered through difficult losses, including a late-term pregnancy. She is the co-author of The Secrets of the Bulletproof Spirit, How to Bounce Back from Life's Hardest Hits. Welcome to the show, Jillian. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi. It's such an honor to be on your show. Well, Jillian, uh, you're quite the, the woman yourself. You have your own show, right? I do. I have a weekly radio show. It's called Bounce Back with Jillian Quinn. And we deal with uh, me and I have a, a sort of a little sidekick, Cindy Guardiola, and we deal with the topic of loss as well. And we really focus on helping people to deal with loss and, and grief and all kinds of setbacks in their lives with a little bit, hopefully, more ease and grace. And we provide strategies through uh, having weekly guests, much like you do. I oh, think great. Is that an a little lighter, show? maybe. I'm sorry? Is that an Internet show or a grand radio? Uh, no, no. It's a regular, like, radio station show. Oh, okay. Where are you located for that? WHVW in the Hudson Valley, uh, a little bit north of New York City, and uh, it's 90.5 a.m. on the dial. If you're in the listening area, um, it's about 300,000 people in our listening area. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great show um, to have the privilege to be a part of. Uh, there's so many people, as you well know, because of the work that you do, and thank goodness you do it, so many people are hurting, and it's so easy in our society that wants to think everybody's got to put on a happy face all the time. Right. You feel like there's something wrong with you if you're grieving, but in fact there are many, many people out there grieving, so you're not alone if you're listening today, and I'm sure all three of us would agree that uh, we are doing the work we're doing because we know so many of our clients and so many people we work with are, are sharing the same kinds of discomforts and right. that you are. Well, tell us how you came to, about to write uh, the book, the, the Secret of the Bulletproof Spirit. Well, um, there's a short and a long story. I'll just stick with the short one. Um, I was actually writing a slightly different book. The book was on the topic of forgiveness, but um, a lot of the work that I was doing was helping people deal with forgiveness of their parents, and I was really specializing in coaching people through intergenerational forgiveness, and so people who had a hard time forgiving the dysfunctional childhoods that they had uh, felt they received or or were a part of and wanted to make peace with that before their parents, you know, you know, passed on, or in some cases, even after their parents had passed on. And so I was writing a book more on that topic, and I had the really, and I, I don't believe in coincidences, so I had the serendipity uh, and the good fortune to meet uh, a friend, and his name was Azim Kamisa, and he lived in San Diego, and I was doing a series of uh, workshops on forgiveness at San Diego State three summers ago, and Azim and I met, and he had been working for 12, at that point, 11 years with the topic of forgiveness as well. And he had had a terrible experience, a really tragic loss. His son was murdered, and his son was 20 years old when he lost him. And he ended up forgiving the young man who shot and killed his son. And not only has he forgiven that young man, he's gone on to start a nonprofit foundation in his son's name, and he partners with the grandfather of the boy who murdered his son. Wow. Two of them traveled the world. Well, tell us, let's get right into it here. What is a bulletproof spirit? 
Well, mm-hmm. first of all, I mean, when you guys talked about your website, Open to Hope, I just that is an amazing title for a website and for um, any type of organization because it says so much in those three simple words. You know, when we're in the deepest of, of pain, um, we need to remain open to hope. And a bulletproof spirit is a person who possesses the ability to remain open to hope regardless of the hardship or heartache or, you know, heartbreak that he or she is facing. And people who are a little bit more fragile, I say spiritually fragile, may really shut down the possibility of hope. And that might be a temporary thing. Or for some people, they really get stuck in a position of being closed off to hope. And so now, that now tell me why you think that it. having this bulletproof spirit's a birthright. I thought that was really interesting, and but well, I like that idea. Well, I really truly believe that we are innately resilient and that somewhere along the line we lose some of that resilience and Usually I think it's a result of modeling uh, by the people around us as we grow up. We learn poor responses to adversity. And so when we learn to respond to adversity in less than optimal ways, we sort of lose touch with our natural state of resilience. But, you know, I, I always believe that we're always moving towards help. Yeah. If we I let agree. it happen. Yeah, we naturally, like for instance, you know, everybody can relate to the idea of nicking yourself shaving or, you know, getting a small paper cut and, you know, two, three days later, you know, if you're normal and you're in good health, you're, it's gone. Your body naturally moves toward health and heals it without any effort on your part. And I think that same element is in place when we're talking about our emotional and psychological uh, wounds as well. We are moving toward wellness if we don't do things that block that progress. And we, we yeah, do I think, I think the that. problem is too that sometimes people feel guilty and hold on to the pain longer than they need to because they're afraid that they're not going to be honoring that person they love that died. Oh, Heidi, you've hit the nail on the head. There are, I actually write a lot about this in the book. There are many reasons why people hold on to grief, and that is a huge one. People sometimes feel that if they were to let go or at least, um, you know, release some of the deepest anguish um, and move through it, that they would be dishonoring the memory of the person. They feel that they must grieve intensely forever or else that, that relationship or that person's life well, is Well, how changed. about the idea of entitlement, too? Yeah, I read about, about that in the book. People feel yeah. like it shouldn't have happened to me. Well, there, I think that's a huge, huge part of this process of moving through grief and healing, Gloria, because we, uh, I think as Americans in particular, have been privileged to live in a time and in a place where we're able to heal so many illnesses, we're able to stave off death in so many cases, um, there's so many medical miracles, and we also are able to do things with tremendous speed and what seeming, uh, you know, miracle medicine um, is a regular part of our lives and the news. But, you know, we have become... And in some ways, this is a good thing to have high expectations, but we've become a little bit more than just having high expectations. We've become entitled, and we feel that it's an abnormality or an aberration from the normal course of human events if we experience a scary diagnosis or a hard loss. And in reality, and it's hard to be philosophical about it when you're in the midst of a hip, but in reality, it is very integral to the fabric of the human condition to have times of suffering and loss and sadness, just as it, it's, it's integral that we have times of happiness, bliss, and joy. And it's like the weather. I mean, just like we have sunshine, we also have rain. Just like we have warmth, we also have cold. And we wouldn't have, you know, that wonderful macrocosm function well um, if we didn't have that diversity. And honestly, in our personal lives, we wouldn't have balance and health if we didn't have the full spectrum of emotion, and we would not grow. And um, and I'll, I'll end on this point. 
which is that we uh, really do rest and we kind of gain strength in times of uh, happiness and comfort, but we progress and grow and evolve most uh, intensely during times of loss and suffering. And so it serves a tremendous purpose, whether it's apparent to us or not when we're going through a loss. Buddhist uh, teachings will tell you that desire is the root of all human suffering. <laughs> and uh, then you'll have things like The Secret, the book The Secret or the movie The Secret, telling you that desire is an essential component to achieving the things you want in life. And so I have a chapter in my book, Secrets of the Bulletproof Spirit, that's called Dance Between Desire and Detachment. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to learn to walk a fine line between harnessing the power of desire to help bring into reality things that we hope um, to achieve in our lives. You need, Like, for instance, when I lost my baby six and a half months into a healthy pregnancy, uh, you know, I really, really had to desire uh, a new baby in order to go what I went through to adopt a baby from overseas. I went to China to adopt a baby and the paperwork mm. was two years and it was intensely difficult. So the desire portion was necessary so that I could push through all of the hurdles that I had to push through. On the other hand, I had, you know, almost, it was almost three years really, the whole process. It was like a thousand nights of waiting and I had to also learn at the same time that I had to keep my desire alive to help me, you know, propel myself through all the hurdles and the red tape, I had to also learn the art of detachment, meaning I had to stop um, feeling that I could control exactly how this was going to unfold. In fact, I didn't know when this would happen. I didn't know even if it would happen. I didn't know what kind of daughter I would get. I didn't know if she would be well. I didn't know when I'd travel. There were so many unknowns. And learning to be able to simultaneously hold our desire dear to our hearts and at the same time keep it in an open hand and let um, the universe, you know, I don't know whatever term you're comfortable with, God, the universe, you know, higher power, or just life, let life uh, bring your desires to you in a way that may outshine and be better and bring you to higher ground than you might ever have created for yourself if things unfolded according to your plan. Because we tend to limit rather than, um, you know, broaden our own horizons with our plan of how things should go. And so it's a super advanced spiritual skill to be able to balance desire and detachment. Well, for, for well people to say, yeah, and it's, and it's a very advanced skill. I think that's important for our audience now who are newly bereaved and they have a desire and want to have that person back. Yet it's a long, it's a long trip to get into that dance. It's a slow dance. Gloria, you get to the so point important. where you can say it is what it is and, yeah. you know, and let go. <clears throat> One of the things you talk in the book about is letting go of the need to know. And that's big for our audience out there, the need to know why. We, we all need to try to make meaning in our lives. It's part of the human condition as well. And without a sense of why things happened, um, we can feel really stuck. And learning to let go of the need um, to, to know why is an advanced skill. And I just want to, you know, I was an English professor before this part of my life, and there's this play by Shakespeare, some of you might know, it was Macbeth, and Macbeth has this uh, enemy that he thinks is an enemy, and he ends up killing Macduff, he was a nobleman, he kills his wife, Macduff's wife, and all of his children. And Macduff comes home, and he sees all over the castle floor his, his the blood and guts of his wife and many children. And obviously, you know, we can imagine the devastation this man feels. And so his comrades there sort of like, you know, urge him, you know, react to this like a man. Don't cry. Don't let this unman you. 
man up, they say to him, you know, take it like a man. And he looks at them and he says, I will answer this like a man, but first I must feel it like a man. And so, you know, getting to a state of equanimity and kind of being detached is not something that happens after a loss quickly. We first have to move through a state of intense grief. First there's denial, and you know, we, we know all those stages, but move through our grief. Eventually, when we let the sun set on that grief, then we arrive at a more, uh, you know, a place of equanimity where we're able to be a little bit more detached. And so we shouldn't hold a judgment against ourselves if we're not there yet. It is a process. As you know, Dr. Horsley, as you just mentioned, it's not something that we need to hold ourselves accountable to quickly. And I like the idea of, of the McDuffson grief like a man because um, it, it, the permission, sometimes people need permission. I taught a class on crying at one time. Yeah. I did a seminar, and one of the things people most valued was I gave them a certificate that had their name on it that said that they had permission to cry. That is, you know, that is so profound because sometimes something as, and we think of it, you know, as adults as being silly that I got a certificate to cry, but I literally, I coach, you know, I have a coaching practice and I, I will say to clients, listen, you have permission from the expert. You want to think of me as your expert or the person you're, you're turning to to give you permission. You have my permission to cry. I do the same thing because so many of us, and men in particular, I don't want to generalize, but men are hard hit this way often in our culture. And we think it, of crying as something. I, I often, on my website, I have a cinema therapy section with films designed to help you cry if you're having a hard time getting started, you know, like Terms of Endearment, for instance. Because, you know, when we cry, if you taught a course on crying, I'm sure you know this, we release so many different kinds of neurotransmitters, hormonal uh, components, uh, different kinds of substances that are not healthy for us to hold in. And so we really detoxify when we cry. And there is actually a different chemical composition to happy tears from sad tears. And so crying is therapeutic and it's physically therapeutic um, and we need to do more of it. And like Dr. Horsley says, give ourselves permission to do it. Yeah, I want and, uh, can, I, can I break oh, yes. in for a minute? Yeah. Um, Jillian, I, I wanted to say something before the show ends and that's that you and I have a lot in common because I also adopted a daughter from China after a miscarriage. And um, a couple of things come up for me. One is that I realized I had to grieve the loss of the baby I thought I was going to have after my second miscarriage. And then once I kind of gave it up to the universe and went through, like you said, the two years of paperwork, et cetera, and traveled abroad, when I held her, I realized this was the daughter I was always meant to have. And that was a great revelation for me. And I have a quote that I kind of live by, um, Joseph Campbell, who says, we must be willing to give up the life we have planned so that we can embrace the life that is waiting for us. I have a sign that says that exact quote, and I love Joseph Campbell, and I've taught whole classes on his work. And, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to, before we close the show, I want to go over three points that I think are important to help our audience. And I'm going to going to read three things out that really came out of the book for me, The Secret of the Bulletproof Spirit, that I think could be very helpful for folks out there. And the first one is, and then, Julian, after I get through, you can comment on either one of them, the three. But the first one I wanted to say is, respect your body, it's your ride home, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. I love that. The next one was invest in yourself. And the next one is don't forget to play. Yeah. Well, it's hard to comment on one, but I think that I'll really uh, talk a little bit about uh, 
the uh, the body, respect your body, it's your ride home. Because when we're in a state of grief or when we're going, struggling through a difficult circumstance or trial, we often um, take that as an opportunity to slack off in any self-care we've been giving ourselves. You know, and I mean eating well and exercising. I mean, it's like the last thing we do because we're so upset that we just don't want to eat and we don't want to prepare food that's healthy and we don't want to go for that walk. And we also do some drinking. We do, and we may want to anesthetize ourselves from that pain through drinking. And there's a lot of stuff that we do to our bodies, and including, you know, not um, grooming ourselves, getting into a pre- depressed state where we don't shower. There's lots of manifestations of this, but it's important, and this is a way you might want to think about it if you're out there and you're going through this. You need to treat your own body as if it was a sick child that's getting well, but right now doesn't feel so well, and you need to nurture it and nourish it and care for it the way you would a little child that you loved. And you need to almost be the parent. Your mind needs to be able to take a step backward and above, let's say, look down on yourself and say, I'm going to parent you. I'm going to love you and nurture you now, body, because your body is actually the vehicle that's going to allow your brain to stick around and your heart your soul to stick around long enough to heal. So you're going to need to nurture it even though you don't feel like doing so. And the very routines of nurturing your body when you're grieving may be the thing that keep you grounded enough to stay here and do the work. And so you've got to prepare, you know, some healthful foods. If you have to do, you know, uh, you know, stop by and do salad bars from, from food stores or do healthy takeout, that's fine. You know, call your, your Chinese and get and get steamed vegetables and rice. You don't always have to do hard work, but you've got to try to, you know, take those vitamins. And this may be the time to actually ask your friends when they say, can I do anything for you? Say, well, I'm having a hard time taking care of my eating, my healthful eating, and I, I don't want to even cook, much less eat. So, yeah, you could do that for me. Or so eat good foods if, you, if you're eating too much. Well, Jillian, I think we should end on that note of uh, taking care of your body. That's can I a add one thing, on. Dr. Horsley? I have two websites that I think would be helpful mm-hmm. if people are grieving. Uh-huh, I was just going to ask you that one. Yeah, and I made them specifically for people who might not have access to the book. There's tons of free information, and I actually have Compassionate Friends as a resource on there. I'll link to your work um, because it's so wonderful. But um, one of them is JillianQuinn.com, and that's J-I-L-L-I-A-N, Quinn with two N's, JillianQuinn.com. But perhaps easier to remember is Bulletproof spirit.com and that's got no hyphens or anything like that it's just bulletproofspirit.com and that has so many resources for those people who are suffering or grieving whether it's an illness the loss of a child the denouement of a marriage uh, financial problems there are guided meditations you can hear me lead you through so many different kinds of meditations um, okay Jillian go there great yeah and thank we will look so forward to much. that and it's you wonderful, are wonderful. You on your work is helping so many thank you thanks so much thanks for being on the show You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.